Well, good morning, Faith Covenant family. If you are watching this video, then that means by now my son Levi has been born. So that's super exciting. So I'm probably at home right now bonding with my son, waking up every couple hours, changing diapers, snuggling a baby, uh, all that good stuff. Uh, so thank you for this time of leave. Um, I'm grateful for this time to be with my family. Uh, but before I went on leave, I wanted to make sure that uh, I could conclude our sermon series, Holy Habits, Five Habits for Spiritual Growth. And we've been going through our vision chart, uh, the four key priorities of our church, and we did habit number one, intentionally connect. Habit two, grow continuously. Habit three, reach consistently through prayer, care, and share. And habit four, worship regularly. And great job, by the way, of putting that into practice by being here or watching online. And you may be wondering, what is the fifth habit? There's only four key priorities here on our chart. And well, there is a fifth habit, though it's not visible, uh, but it makes the other four, everything that we do together as a church, possible. And that is give passionately. Habit five is give passionately. And you know how much pastors and parishioners love talking about money, uh, so I strategically planned to not be in person for this talk. Uh, just kidding, I didn't plan it that way. Uh, I actually don't shy away about talking uh, about this topic uh, because Jesus and the apostles talked about money all the time. It's a fundamental component of our discipleship. And just like the other habits, it's so fundamental, it needs to be revisited again and again. Just like great athletes, we always revisit the fundamentals. And, you know, sometimes pastors have to bring this uh, topic up, you know, out of need or out of desperation. And I'm grateful that I don't have to do that. Uh, that's not why I'm talking about giving today. In fact, I want to commend our church for their generosity. Our giving has stayed steady throughout this pandemic. And not only that, we've been able to fund this building campaign. And when we needed more for the furnishings, you guys stepped up and provided again. And so your generosity, it's recognized, it's appreciated, and we give thanks to God because it is a sign that his grace is at work in this place. God is doing something amazing in our church. Can you sense it? Can you feel it? Isn't it fun to be in the game, friends? You know, and today I just want to encourage us to keep excelling at our giving. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, but since you excel in everything, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. And this morning, I want to see you continue to excel at giving. And if you aren't excelling, I'd like to see you start excelling at it. So to start giving passionately, excelling at giving, this is a habit, it's a lifestyle to which we are called. And so I want to look this morning at a portion of scripture uh, out of the, the, long, the longest passage of, uh, about giving in the New Testament. And it's also from 2 Corinthians. So I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 15. Paul has been writing to the Corinthians to encourage them to participate in a giving project. Paul was raising funds from all the churches in the nations to help poor Christians in Jerusalem who have been made destitute from a famine. And I want you to notice in this passage, how Paul is using every rhetorical power that he can to help the, uh, the Christians in Corinth excel at the grace of giving. So 
there's many things we can learn from this passage about giving, and I'd like to make a few points. The first is, number one, giving is a seed. Giving is a seed. Paul begins in verse 6 by saying, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. This is an important point that Paul wants the Corinthian believers to have stick in their mind. Remember this. Don't forget this. Giving is like sowing a seed. And if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. But if you sow generously, you're going to reap generously. You know, and Satan is so good at tricking us in so many ways into being stingy. You know, you might be tempted to think that your giving doesn't really benefit you. You might be tempted to, be, to think that giving is a net loss for you, or God forbid, you might even think that giving is a waste of your money. On the contrary, our resources are seeds. God is the farmer who supplies the seed, and he entrusts us with seeds to do his work. And it's a basic element of farming that if you sow sparingly, you're also going to reap sparingly. And if you scatter lots of seed everywhere, you should expect a large harvest. And if you watched someone that was sowing seeds and you didn't know any better, you might conclude that they were crazy. You know, it's this, look at this person who's, who's scattering seeds all over the place. You know, it's not doing anything. There's no immediate gain. There's no immediate benefit. And look, the birds are even eating some of the seeds. This person's crazy. They're just wasting seeds and throwing them everywhere. It's true, when you first scatter seeds, it seems like it doesn't do anything. But you, we just have to be patient. Because when you sow seeds, after a little while, after a time, there will be a harvest. And when we give money to God's kingdom, we are sowing seeds, and we should expect a harvest. Now, what does that mean? What kind of harvest can we expect? Well, I think there's, we should consider two different types of harvest, of harvest so to speak, when we give. Uh, the first type is spiritual. And all throughout the Bible and in the teachings of Jesus himself, God does not shy away from teaching us that we will be rewarded for how we live. And that definitely includes how we give. Paul talked about this with the Christians in Philippi who had provided for Paul financially and materially when he was in need. In Philippians 4, 16 through 17, Paul says, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. Wait, isn't that, what? what? What is Paul saying there? He's, a, he's saying, I'm content. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm actually glad you gave, but not for myself. I'm glad because more was credited to your account. Not for me. Well, what account? Paul's talking about their account in heaven before God. The Philippians' donation to him was like a deposit in their heavenly bank account. As Jesus said, we don't store up treasures on earth in this earthly life. We want to store treasures in heaven where they don't rot or rust or, be, or are stolen. And when we give away generously, especially to the poor, we will be rewarded by God in the age to come. As Randy Elkhorn says, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. And that's what we do when we give. Giving is sowing a spiritual harvest for ourselves in eternity, but also we will see a spiritual harvest in the lives of others, in the good that it does spiritually 
and bringing about good in God's world. So we should expect to see a spiritual harvest for ourselves and in the spiritual impact it will have on other people. The second type of harvest that we should expect is is also material. In verse 10 in this passage, Paul says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So Paul is saying here, God supplies the seed, the seed for the sower, and after that comes the harvest, the bread. When you give, the text says that God will increase your store of seed, your resources, allowing you to increase the harvest of your righteousness. When you give, God wants you to, to give you more so that you can continue to be generous. In other words, The point of God providing for you financially is so that you can give even more. In verse 11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Paul doesn't say you'll be enriched in every way so that you can buy a nice house or so that you can upgrade your car or your phone or your stuff or you can get new clothes. Not so that you can have all of this prosperity No, so that you can be generous on every occasion. We don't give to get financial blessing from God. But God's word does say that when we give, God will continue to provide for you and even increase your resources so that you can continue to be generous at every opportunity that comes your way. You know, it seems that the principle is God wants to materially bless givers. And I mean, isn't that kind of common sense? Like if, if you were a benevolent God, who would you rather give money to? A consumeristic person who if you give them more, they're likely going to spend it on themselves and their desires? Or somebody who lives well below their means? And more than likely, they're going to give that money away to somebody in need. God blesses the generous. So when we give, we should expect both a spiritual and material harvest at some point. But remember, it's not immediate. It's scattering a seed. It's over time. It's over the long haul. And the principle is, Paul says, remember this, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you're going to reap generously. So remember, giving is a seed. Number two, we learn from this passage that we should give passionately. The attitude with which we give matters greatly to God. In verse 7, Paul says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, first, I want you to know that this is personal and comprehensive. Each of you should give. The call to be generous goes out to everybody. No matter how much money you have, whether you're rich or poor, whether you are well off or you are struggling, whether you are young, whether you are old, no matter what stage of life you happen to be in, the call to be generous in God's kingdom goes to all. And God is not content with us simply giving. God doesn't want you to just write the check and check it off your list. 
He wants you to want to give. You know, I want my wife to love me. I want my kids to want to be around me. You know, we all value authentic love. And in the same way, God wants us to want to be generous, to have hearts that are generous. So how do we give passionately? Well, Paul points out a few ways that we give passionately in this text. We should give deliberately. Paul says, decide in your heart to give. That's the heart is the place of the emotions, the will, the mind. So we should think about why we give, what we give, who we are giving to. Giving should be prayerfully and deliberately, uh, uh, we we should deliberately decide what we uh, do with the resources that God has entrusted us with. So our giving should not be haphazard. It should not be thoughtless, unplanned, or unconsidered. It should be deliberate. Our giving should also be done eagerly. Paul says, not reluctantly. In other words, to be enthusiastic or to have energy, to with heart and with passion. There was a Stoic philosopher in 65 AD named Seneca, and he said, above all, let us give willingly, promptly, and without hesitation. No gratitude is felt for a benefit when it has lingered long in the hands of him who gives it. When the giver has seemed sorry to let it go and has given it with the air of one who is robbing himself, hesitation is the next thing to refusing and gains no gratitude. So in other words, when an opportunity comes to give, give promptly and eagerly without hesitating to show your eagerness, your care, and your love. And if a non-Christian philosopher can promote this type of thinking, how much more should a follower of Jesus Christ? We should give eagerly. We also should give freely. Freely we have received, freely give. Paul says to give not under compulsion. So don't give just because it's a necessity or because it's an obligation. Uh, Which to me, this strikes a little bit funny to me because here is Paul writing one of the longest passages in the the New Testament, Testament about giving and doing everything he can to encourage them to excel at giving. Yet he says, even with all of this, don't do it because you have to. Don't do it just because I tell you to. Don't do it because the Apostle Paul says, don't do it because Pastor Nate is giving this sermon today. Do it because you want to. Do it freely. Consider, get in, consider why. Get in touch with why we give in the first place. So Paul says, deliberately, eagerly, freely, also we should give joyfully. God loves a cheerful giver. God is pleased with us when we give joyfully to his kingdom. You know, sometimes uh, Daisy at three, she will obey joyfully. She'll say, okay, daddy. And, and sometimes, uh, other times, uh, even at three, she can obey me with a mood. I'm asking Daisy, you know, clean up your toys. Okay. Okay, Daddy. And I'm like, okay, she did what I asked, but I'm not happy with that type of obedience. Now, I know she's three. She's learning. Uh, but we all want our kids to obey with a grateful, joyful heart. It's so much better. That's how God is with our giving. We should give passionately meaning that we do it deliberately, eagerly, freely, and joyfully because we love our God and want to give to his kingdom. So we should give passionately. 
We also learn from this text that we can give without fear. Number three, we can give without fear. Paul wants to make sure that they don't worry about themselves when they adopt a lifestyle of joyful giving. Look what it says in verse 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You know, I think we often refrain from giving passionately and joyfully, or maybe even giving at all, because we operate out of a mindset of scarcity. You know, we think that we won't have enough for what we need if we give. Or we think that we won't have enough, enough for our bills, or we won't have enough for retirement. Or if we admit it, we think we won't have enough for what we want to buy. That one might actually be true. But we, friends, we have been trained by the world to see uh, everything having these kind of cause and effect, perfectly calculated mathematical reasons, right? You know, what goes up must come down. And we think money works the same way. We, you know, we think if I work then this much, then I'm going to make this much. If I give this money away, then I'm going to have that much less money. It's just simple math, right? But friends, there's one problem with that type of math because you're taking God out of the equation. You're taking God out of the equation. Let me remind you, God is involved in this world. God is involved in your life and he has infinite power. That's why Paul says, God is able. He is able. He is able to bless you abundantly, bountifully, so that at all times, and notice this, how much Paul says all, in all things, at all times, all that you need for every or all good works. It's not in some situations, some of the time, some of what you need for some good works, It is all. And notice it's there again. Paul says, God blesses you with more than you need so that you can be generous and do good works. And friends, this means that when you give, when you are generous, you can be so with zero fear. None. So let's stop being afraid that we won't have enough, that we won't be provided for because our God is able. And perhaps... You're not excelling at giving right now because you're not trusting that God will provide. Oh friend, oh Christian, put your faith in the God who is able. He is able to bless you abundantly and provide for all you need. So friends, we can give without fear. That's good news. The fourth thing that we can learn about giving from this text is that giving can lead others to worship God. Giving can lead others to worship God. Paul continues in verse 12. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have provided, proved yourselves, others will praise God. Now, first of all, Paul says you are meeting practical needs of God's people. That's great in and of itself but it's also overflowing because many people are giving thanks to God for your giving. People are praising God because of your generosity and your obedience. He says when people see you giving, they see that God's grace is at work in you to be so generous. 
And when we see other Christians being so generous, we should conclude that God is at work in their hearts. He is the source of our generosity. Like in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, if you remember them, uh, that story kept saying that God's gracious hand was upon the people. His hand was upon them to inspire their generosity in their giving so that the work of the temple and such could be completed. And friends, in the same way, we should praise God that he has inspired so much generosity in this church, a church of our size, doing a project of this magnitude, a a once in a generation renovation of basically the whole building. And I believe that this can only be explained that God's grace is at work here. God's grace is at work in you. He's doing something here. He's doing something in this community. He's moving. Do you see it? God's surpassing grace has been at work here. And think of the ways that this project will bless the generation that, are, that are, is coming up in the church and what will happen in the generations to come that people will continue to worship God here. They will grow in Christ here. They will make friends. They will grow up in the faith. They will get to know Jesus in this place. Potlucks will be shared, friendships will be formed, and all of this will happen to the glory of God. We have to remember all that God can do with just a little bit of our giving, with just a little seed. You know, when I was 13 years old, uh, my family had just changed churches from a Catholic church to uh, First Covenant Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And, you know, at that time, I, um, I knew about God, but I wasn't, I wasn't passionate. I I wouldn't say I was a follower of Jesus. And um, I occasionally went to the youth group. And uh, one day I got invited to go to the church's youth camp uh, that summer that was coming up. And, you know, first I said, you know, I wasn't interested. But a few weeks later, one of the youth leaders came back to me and she said to me, Nate, we would really love for you to come with us on this trip. We just want to make sure there's no barriers to you coming. In fact, we would love to pay for your whole week at camp if you, if you would like to. Uh, and by the way, we think you're going to have a great time. And uh, for some reason, uh, that act of generosity uh, inspired me. And I was 13, so I thought, shoot, free pizza, free games, and a, a week at camp with uh, you know, swimming and whatnot. That sounds like a good deal. Why not? Sure, I'll go. Well, at that camp, I heard the gospel explained to me for the first time in a way that I could understand. And at that camp, I committed my life to Jesus Christ for the first time. And friends, my life has been forever changed. My eternal destination is secure in Christ. And because of God's grace in me, now I'm a pastor changing other people's lives for the glory of God. It was a couple hundred bucks for me to go to camp. Probably funded by someone's just checking the offering plate. They probably just had a fund for this kind of thing. You know, it's just a small seed from quite a while ago now. And look what the harvest that has come just from that one little act of generosity. Friends, when we give to God's purposes, it can become a harvest of righteousness in the generations and generations to come. Giving can lead others to worship God. Finally, a, a very quick point. I just want to point this out. Number five. All giving is inspired and based on God's generous grace. 
Paul concludes this whole passage in verse 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. The indescribable mercy and grace of God seen in our giving, but most ultimately seen in the gift of Jesus, who though he was rich, he became poor for our sake and for our salvation. So our motivation and the power to give all come from God's grace. And today, friends, I just want to encourage you to excel at giving, to excel at it. Remember, giving is a seed. We should give passionately. We can give without fear. Giving can lead others to God, and it's all inspired by His grace. You know, most Christians or religious people, they will inevitably ask, well, how much do I have to give in order to be considered generous? You know, is it 10%? Well, friends, I simply say this. We don't give under law, but out of radical grace. Paul, there, uh, Paul just assumes this. In fact, one biblical scholar, Scott Haffman, says, Paul simply assumes that the believers will give all they can to meet as many needs as they can in order to glorify God as much as they can. Wow. You know, I, I, I simply marvel that generations behind, that came up uh, before us, they just assumed that regular tithing and more was expected at, at, of your local church. And think of all the good that did. The pastors you've had, the youth pastors you've had, the curriculum you were taught, the buildings that you met in, all of this enabled because God's people faithfully continued to give. You know, and I think this assumption about giving to one's local church is, is growing less and less in the generations that are coming up. And look, I want you to understand that, that you can be a part of Faith Covenant for free. Always. You know, but people will ask, well, what should I give though? Should I give 10%? Let me just reframe this. Instead of asking that, think about first, well, what if we didn't? What if people didn't give 10% and giving kept decreasing in, in the generations to come? What things would be stopped? What ministries wouldn't exist? What people would be hired? And then I want, instead of thinking about, think about that, then I also think, well, what if every Christian did? You know, some stats say most Christians give 2 or 3% of their income. What if Christians gave 10% to the lo their local church? What could we do? What, what new ministries could be started? What new people could be hired? What new programs could be given a staff member? What new ministries of benevolence and care and outreach in our community could be done if Christians gave 10% or more? I mean, it's just a vision of what could be. And I simply say that we're never in danger of giving too much, but we're almost always in danger of giving too little. God is always able to bless. He's always able to bless you abundantly so that you can be generous on every occasion. So don't give because you're obligated or because you, yes, or don't refrain from giving because you're afraid. As Paul said, each person, each one of you should decide in your heart. Don't give because you have to. God wants you to joyfully give, so deliberately choose. And my prayer is that as a church, we would continually be known for consistent, radical, sacrificial generosity 
and that so many needs could be met and so many seeds would be sown that the harvest would be reaped for generations and generations to come beyond us. And may God's surpassing power help us excel at the grace of giving. So friends, this sermon concludes our Holy Habits series. And let me just summarize. Here is what we hope that disciples of Jesus would do in our church. We want you to intentionally connect, ideally in a small group setting. We would like people to grow continuously by reading God's word and ideally participating in our upcoming 90-day challenge. We would like you to reach consistently by simply using prayer care share and praying for others to come to know the Lord. We'd like you to commit to worshiping regularly, making Sunday morning worship a a rock-solid commitment in your life. And also, we'd like you to commit to giving passionately, to sustain and to contribute to all that God is doing in us, among us, and through us for his glory to the ends of the earth. These are small, sustainable habits that if we all commit to, over time, we will see a great harvest of spiritual growth in our lives, in our church, and in our community. So let's sow the seeds, let's commit to the habits, and I believe the Lord will do more than we ask or imagine. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for your grace, which is so amazing and indescribable. Jesus, though you were rich, though you had all the riches of heaven, you became destitutely poor for our sake so that we would be saved and united with you forever. Oh God, inspire us by this wonderful gift. May it inspire our worship, our giving, our sacrifices. God, give us a vision for the, for the harvest that could come if we would just entrust you with our resources. And God, inspire all kinds of acts of sacrifice and generosity in this place that we might see a rich harvest in our lives and in the generations to come. Thank you, Lord, for the giving that you have inspired in our church, the the ways that we have seen that your grace has been at work in us. And may it all be, Lord, for your glory and may it spread the name of Jesus in our community and around the world through our mission, uh, our missionaries and our partners. God, we pray for them that you would meet all of their needs and that you would help us to support them and to encourage them and to remember them. Lord, we give all of these things to you. Help us to be the disciples in the church you call us to be. And now let's pray the prayer that our Lord Jesus taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.